Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and get a $500 risk-free sports bet by downloading the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning today. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com to get a $500 risk-free bet from us at Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd. Are you the best NBA better in the U.S.? Odds Crowd is challenging you to prove it with their free-to-play fantasy betting contest. There's $3,000 up for grabs in the season-long contest and $200 every week in their weekly contest. Just head over to oddscrowd.com and sign up now. We're also brought to you in part by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use the promo code SGP to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Yes, indeed. We have come to the end of the month of October. It is Halloween this weekend. And it is yet another weekend of college football and the NFL specifically. Good to be back with you on the digital radio show and podcast that focuses on those teams that are given less of a chance. Usually the road team, not thought of as highly, and yet they are the underdog. And in a lot of cases, they've been coming through big time. Bravo, bravo. Last week on the show, we did well with Kevin Rogers of Vegas Insider uh, popping on board on the show, as well as our no huddle underdog picks from TC Martin, Vince Ferrara, Bill Rowland, and the host. Six more successful underdogs, two of them in college. Uh, Thank you, Miami Hurricanes for TJ. Thank you, Oklahoma State Cowboys for Vince Ferrara in Knoxville. Vince and I, by the way, told you to stay away from the Tennessee Vols. It looked good for Tennessee for a while for the cover, and then Alabama decided, you know what, we always win and we always cover in this game, even if it's a big line, and they pulled away. And then in the NFL, we ran, Kevin Rogers came strong with the Detroit Lions, who had chances to maybe win that game. So thank you to him from, uh, from Vegas Insider for giving us uh, the Lions. I love the Titans at home against the Chiefs. Kudos on that. Bill Rowland loved the Colts Sunday night. At the 49ers, another outright win. And T.C. Martin gets the gets the win and gets the cover with the Seahawks, even though they lost by a field goal and Geno Smith played a horrible game. They still got the win and cover. So that is six successful underdogs off the show last week. We're back for more this week. Want to tell you straight ahead, Brian Edwards will be here. Uh, senior handicapper, Vegas insider, majorwager.com. Looking forward to his underdogs. I have a feeling with the Florida-Georgia game, 
on one of them, on which way he might be leaning for Three Dog Thursday. Stand by for that. Tiki Barber will be here, the New York Giant great, the former Virginia Cavalier, love working national radio with Tiki on Compass Media Network's coverage of college football. We worked Ohio State's bludgeoning of uh, Indiana last week, so Tiki will be here to talk Buckeyes. Uh, We're looking forward also this week to seeing Oklahoma and Texas Tech on Compass Media Networks in two weeks, Alabama, LSU. So Tiki's here to talk college football. We'll probably even sneak in some of his G-men, some of the Giants, in uh, in a little bit. Also, in a little bit, Tim Brando will be here from Fox Sports. Love the insight of Timmy B and their play-by-play of their college football coverage. So Tim Brando here as well. So much to get to on Three Dog Thursday. Reminder, however you found us, social media link, Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe away. However you found this podcast, uh, all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, wherever you get podcasts, search for Three Dog Thursday, subscribe. We release on Thursday mornings. We stay relevant all through the weekend with the football picks, Saturday, Sunday. You're even going to hear some Sunday night and Monday discussion uh, for Monday night football on this podcast. So we stay relevant, subscribe, comes automatically to you. Boom, rate us, review us. Uh, You move us up in the rankings by doing that. Always love the love from the listeners and we've been handing out underdog winner after underdog winner. I believe we're up over 30 of them now for the football season with six more last week. So we're doing well, we're doing our job without further delay. Here he is. Love the insight, love the analysis. Uh, He's rolling right now because he's an Atlanta Braves guy and they're in the world series. And at the time that we're taping, they've already won game one in Houston. You may know the result of game two and whether the Astros evened it up as we released three dog Thursday, but he's riding high with the Braves. Did I see the Atlanta Falcons win on a last second field goal as well against the Miami Dolphins for the win? Uh, on Sunday in South Florida, I believe I did. So no wonder as I can see him on video, Brian Edwards is smiling ear to ear. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you, sir. It's a bit of a sarcastic smile. I appreciate with all your Champa Bayness that you would even offer kudos about the Braves, but I have to admit, although I can give you every lineup dating back to 82 with Claudel Washington, with Rafael Ramirez, (laughs) Glenn Hubbard, uh, Bob Murphy. Dale Murphy. Uh, Dale Murphy, Chris Chambliss, you know, the whole deal. My passion for baseball has waned in the last 10 years, and I really can't name uh, many players on the team outside Freddie, of Freddie Freeman. But Freddie Freeman has done well. Freddie what goes back Ed- to my day. Eddie, Eddie Rosario has hit like yeah. 67 home runs in the postseason. He's done well. Uh, and the Braves now, again, <laughs> are in position to win a second world championship. Uh, let's see what happens. You've got, got a long way to go. The, the good thing is, and we'll get to the football in a second, the entire country outside of Houston, Texas, is rooting for the Braves. No one wants Houston to win this thing. So that's a good thing, Brian Edwards. Right. Yeah. Um, let's go to the Falcons, though, because even though we're three and three, I, I just cannot even express my unhappiness and the incompetence of this new head coach, Arthur Smith, who did not go for two when we took a 12-point lead the other day. It's one of just many kindergarten mistakes he makes week in and week out. How we are three and three with this clown, I have no idea. But look, you're targeting Calvin Ridley 10 times, and he's given you four catches for 26 yards. You target uh, Pitts eight times. One was a throwaway, uh, intentional throwaway by Ryan. He didn't have anything. He should have thrown it away. The other seven targets uh, are seven catches for 161 yards. I mean, they're just not using him nearly enough, and it's insane. Like, how they don't use him more, it's 
insane. He's the best player on the team by far. It's not even but close. That being said, yeah. they they went to him in the clutch, including on the final field goal drive. Matt Ryan's going to eventually find him. And you're telling me you're belly aching about being three and three? Not belly right aching. Now after I, losing the first aching. two games? I'm legit aching. Like, like it's incompetence <laughs> that, that it took so long to even give any eight targets. He should be getting 15 targets, but we'll move on. But Arthur Smith is horrible. Uh, by the way, he's got back-to-back 100-yard receiving games pits. I saw this. Could have been 200 first, in both games. Yeah, and the first rookie tight end since 1970, hello, in the NFL to have back-to-back 100-yard receiving games. I know you're saying it should have been more. But that's it, interesting dude, it should be more and more and more every feed single him. week. I see you gesturing. Feed, feed him. my man. Feed him, feed him and I'm pissed about it. All right, so we'll get to the NFL in a couple of moments with Brian. Let's begin with college football. Where do you want to begin with an underdog and why for the audience on Three Dog Thursday, please, sir? Let's go with the Florida Gators. And for those thinking this is going to be a blowout, look, we can't say anything bad or critical about what Georgia has done this year. You know, they've played ranked teams, et cetera. But you look at – think just from an offensive perspective, Clemson, horrible offense. South Carolina, deplorable. UAB, no good. Uh, Vandy, no bueno. I mean, Arkansas, decent offense. Auburn, decent offense. Kentucky, decent offense. Georgia's going to have points scored on them this week for the first time. And I think Anthony Richardson, who, who drove Florida to four straight touchdown drives in the second half, hopefully he's going to get a lot more playing time. And uh, you can see his explosiveness and what he can do. Now, Florida's run defense has got had been playing well all year other than the LSU game. I think we need to sell out to the run. I think we need to make Stetson Bennett and or JT Daniels beat us. And if they beat us, they beat us. But those two guys – can make mistakes. Those guys, I mean, Bennett made a lot of mistakes against Florida last year. And um, this is a very uh, winnable game for Florida. Florida's three plays away from being 7-0. and That's the reality. That's why you see handicappers like Kenny White have them ninth in the nation in his power rankings right now. Um, Florida, from an analytics perspective, from a stats per- perspective, is a top 10 team. All that matters is they got the three L's. I get all that. But they're going to cover this game. Mullen's been a double-digit underdog. This is the fourth time. The first time at LSU 2019, eventual national champs, led 28-21 mid-third, trailed uh, 35-28 mid-fourth, had a first-and-goal opportunity, an interception in the end zone by Trask. LSU scores was 42-28. to as a 14-point dog. They got first and goal and fourth and goal. They get stuffed at the one. It's a push. Last year, 17-18 point dog. Lose by six. Cover against Alabama. Another eventual national champ. This year, catching 14-15 against Alabama. Should have won outright. Lost by two. Uh, easily covered. 2-0-1 against the spread as a double-digit dog. Will Alabama from this year be eventual national champ? Will Georgia from this year be eventual national champ? They both have this in common. Florida's going to cover against them as double-digit dogs, and then they can work out who becomes the third national title winner to not cover as a double-digit dog against well, Florida. And there's a couple of things. Both teams off the bye week. Now, Florida gave up a bunch of points to LSU, and there's a lot of uh, angst. There's a lot of venom right now for Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator. You don't seem to be concerned about that. You are getting a lot of points here in the neutral site game in Jacksonville, but that, that doesn't concern you a bunch about Florida's defense real quick? 
No, it does concern me. It doesn't. What doesn't concern me is our offense. Uh, our offense will score. This is Georgia, okay? Florida does not look at Georgia as Goliath ever, 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 ever. And their defensive stats are outstanding. I got nothing bad to say about them. We will score points on them. Love we will the cover. I love the we, and I didn't want to taint it in any way, shape, or form, but I loved this spot, too, with getting 14 points off the bye week. Remember, the Gators won big in this game a year ago, as you referenced. And I think uh, with a lot of a, a lot of Gator fans questioning Dan Mullen, they'll come up with a good performance, and I think they've got a chance to outright win this game. Damn I right. will go that far with you. Yes, so I'm joining you on the Florida Gators, and I'm blaming you if this is a blowout. I won't blame you if it's That's close, fun. but I'm blaming you if it's a runaway. I'm holding you responsible That's on fun. that. Let's roll along. Give me another college football underdog, Brian Edwards. Where is it and why? Where are you going? Let's go to East Lansing, Michigan, mm. where Michigan State is 7-0 straight up, 5-0-2 against the spread, catching four and a half. Um, they have had two weeks to prepare. Michigan has not. Wake Forest transfer running back Kenneth Walker. What a season, 997 rush yards, nine touchdowns, 6.6 yards per carry average. Um, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, playing terrific ball, 15 to 4 TDINT ratios. Got two really good receivers in Reed and Naylor. Michigan State's defense, 20th in the nation in scoring D. Michigan, 10 and 12 against the spread, 22 games a road favorite. Under Jim Harbaugh, I think it's a toss up game who wins outright. I'll take the home team with two weeks to prepare, getting four and a half. How about a year ago, Michigan State in the COVID crazy season clobbered a depleted yes. Michigan team. So is this revenge? Uh, again, it's in East Lansing. The whole country will see it on the big noon kickoff. I looked at this game strongly, but I just don't know. I mean, Michigan has played so much better in the rivalry uh, games here as of late. And, and they obviously have their run game rolling for this year. So you will go Sparty. Uh, in that one let's move on to the NFL and where you might be heading again your Atlanta Falcons they are your Falcons are playing host to Carolina which is floundering after they won their first three games do they miss Christian McCaffrey yes Sam Darnold even was benched during the uh, disastrous loss to the Giants last week Carolina catching three at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in an early game that'll be interesting I will be at Buccaneers Saints. Interesting, the Bucs are a five or a five-and-a-half-point favorite at New Orleans against Jameis Winston, their old quarterback. Saints off of that. I guess we could be kind. They, they found a way to win an awful offensive game between New Orleans and Seattle. So they're now four and two. I'll be at that game. I don't sense that you're touching either of that. You're not going against the Falcons. You're not touching the Saints at home. What are you looking at for Three Dog Thursday, Brian Edwards? Well, I would say don't take the underdog Carolina Panthers and leave it at that. I am taking the New York football Giants plus 10 at Kansas City. Uh, the Giants are 19-4 and four against the spread. Their last 23 is a road underdog. And the last non-cover, it's debatable. They're going in to score to make it 7-7 against the Cowboys, and Daniel Jones gets hurt, and then obviously the game is over from there. If he doesn't get hurt, Maybe it's 20 and three against the spread rather than 19 and four. Whatever the case, there's nothing wrong with fading Kansas City. And the reason why is because Kansas City is two and five against the spread at home. They are mm. 0 and three mm. against the spread with one outright win. And their last time at home, they lost by 18 to the Bills. They just lost by 24 
uh, to the Titans. And New York has got reinforcements, hopefully on the way back. I, I'm, I would think they're going to get at least one or two of these guys back out of these four. You got Sterling Shepard, you got Kadarius Tony, you got Saquon Barkley, and you got Kenny Galladay. First off, I'm okay with the play, even if they don't have them. It's just a fade of KC. But if they have two of those guys back, preferably Barkley and Tony, um, they might win outright. And if they got and all we four don't of them know, back, let me interject. We don't yeah. know Saquon Barkley midweek. Can he practice? Again, we got all the way till Monday night for the road game, but he would be a big factor. Devontae Booker's been okay as the replacement. Again, this this stuff, uh, we joke all the time. Sometimes this stuff is not complicated. Kansas City's played four teams with a winning record. They've lost all four games outright, including losing badly the the last two games to the Chief uh, to the uh, Titans and to the Bills. This is not a team with a winning record, but a team that just comes off of whacking Carolina. They've won in the Superdome against New Orleans. You're getting a lot of points. I'm not saying I'm joining you hand in hand on this one. One time is enough on the same segment on Three Dog Thursday for me to join you with the Gators. But this is a very interesting double-digit underdog all the way to Monday night, especially if Barkley gets healthy. Do you anticipate if Barkley is healthy, cleared, and looks like he's playing, that the line may come down a little bit because of that? Get it now? Get it now midweek? I think so, um, unless you just absolutely do not want to have it if all four guys aren't going to be able to play. But if you're okay with one or two guys and it being a ten, then you get it now because I think Tony would influence the line by at least a point as well. And Barkley by maybe a point and a half. I mean, it could be seven. If Barkley and Tony are upgraded, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to seven and a half, seven. And real quick, so many people are pointing this out. The Buccaneers showed the blueprint in the Super Bowl with defensive pressure with the front four on the Kansas City offense. And, and Mahomes is just... Uh, he's repeatedly going to make dangerous, risky throws and plays uh, when they're not rolling along. It, it magnifies, and he's he's gotten away with it against lesser teams. He threw a couple of bad interceptions against Washington, but because they're a lesser team, he got away with it. Maybe he can get away with it against the Giants. Maybe, maybe not on Monday night. Uh, we will see. Uh, did do you have, have one more thing on that? Do we, have yeah. 30, do we have 30 seconds left? You have more than 30 seconds left. you got a couple of minutes left if you like, and I've got another game that I wanted to run by you, but go ahead. Well, I'll just – I won't give you all my explanation, but I'll sneak in Texas State plus 22 at UL Lafayette because UL Lafayette has been horrible's double-digit favorite this year, going one and four against the spread. They were 18-point favorites last week. They won 28-27 at Arkansas State. Um, when they went to South Alabama as a 12-point favorite, they won by two. And when they went to Georgia Southern as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, they won by eight. And they won by three as a 26-point favorite to Nichols, a, a, a FCS team. And Texas State is getting 22 uh, at UL Lafayette. I'm going with the Bobcats to cover 22. And also like UNLV, five and two against the spread. Listen uh, catching, to you. Catching 20 and one half on Friday Night Lights in Reno against Nevada. You're handing out – underdogs like Halloween candy. If they're coming to the Edwards house, I don't know that you're going to get it any better. You know, the bite-sized Snickers or the Kit Kat, the underdogs are just flowing here with the Texas state Bobcats in the Sun Belt and a winless UNLV team, but they have covered in two or three of these games. Uh, playing they've against played Nevada. four consecutive one possession games, including wow. at Fresno state. 
And yeah. So keep an eye on UNLV. But for the record, you're going Florida in priority, Michigan State, and the New York Giants. And then the other two will be bonuses. Just give me 30 seconds. I'm looking at the Steelers against the Browns off the bye week. We don't know Baker Mayfield status. May play, may not play. Steelers road. Uh, uh, doggy, I know you've been high on the Steelers for two or three seasons. I like that play. You want to back me out of that? You want to scare me off of that for three dog well, Thursday? It's just, I've kind of have, when I've got built in interest with my Pittsburgh season win total bets and it's a tight, I, I just don't want to get it. You know what I'm saying? I've got my built in interest for them to win outright. So that's where my focus is. It's kind of like I'm avoiding the Titans game this week with the Colts because I have the Titans season win total over and the odds to win the division. So I just don't need to get extra involvement. I have it from August, if that makes any sense. But you're not scaring me off with Steelers no, as the I'm not dog to win the no. game. To win the yeah, game. Yeah, I want them to win. I want them to win outright. Cleveland's not playing well. Is Chubb back this week? That's a big deal. Obviously, don't know. Uh, don't know yeah. if he can play. And again, Case Keenum right. may be the quarterback. We don't know that midweek. Can Baker Mayfield play or not Sunday in an early game against the Steelers in a North rivalry game in the AFC? We will find I out. Did I did like Tomlin. I did like Tomlin yesterday. He looks like he's ready. The only for the thing, and I Browns. love Mike Tomlin from his days as a Buccaneer assistant before he ever became a head coach in Pittsburgh. The only thing when you go on and on about this and you're that emphatic is it makes people now in the present day go, you know what? His agent's talking to USC and to LSU. It's this, it's I, that's one of the things. It's not him that's talking to Nick Saban stood there 12 or 13 years ago in Miami and said, over and over again, lying. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going back to college football. I'm the Miami Dolphins coach. And Jimmy Sexton was doing the deal while he was saying that with Alabama. So yeah, I don't I think love that's Mike the deal. T, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if the agent is putting the feelers at USC and LSU. That did not come out of thin air. That did not no, come out of nowhere. The only reason that'd be going on is if, if, if Tomlin's on the hot seat in Pittsburgh. Is that right. the case? I don't know. Maybe there's a lack of appreciation, but as he pointed out, it's an iconic job. He's making a ton of money. They win all the time. I don't know. I don't, we'll stay tuned. And I love Mike Tomlin. I love Mike T. Let's see what happens with the Steelers. Plug away, my friend, before you get out of here on Three Dog Thursday, how we find all your stuff, where we read it, your social media, fire away. Yeah, and I'm off to a nice start in the NBA and giving out some in-game suggestions on my Twitter at Vegas B Edwards. You can find my content on MajorWager.com, all my picks and content at VegasInsider.com, a bunch of YouTube videos with K-Raj on the Vegas Insider YouTube channel. You can follow Major Wager on Twitter at Major Wager Uno. And uh, thank you, TJ. Thanks to the Three Dog Thursday pod. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me, brother. Always love having Brian Edwards hang in there. Audience, we've got more on the way right now. As I mentioned earlier, I was high atop the Bloomington, Indiana Memorial Stadium press box watching Ohio State destroy Indiana in the rain with this man, our next guest on Three Dog Thursday. Love me some Tiki Barber on all occasions and all functions, but especially when we're bonding during a 54-7 <laughs> beatdown by Ohio State of Indiana. 
Always good to be with you, my friend. Thank you for like, popping on Three Dog Thursday. Likewise, TJ. And you forgot to mention it was misting and raining and intermittently yes. downpouring uh, <laughs> on that on that roof. <laughs> we had Again, we're on a roof. We're outside. under the tent and with a tarp around him. We were trying to insulate as best we could during what was a bad game. And it was more about Ohio State and what they did. And let's jump right in. I always love your insight on everything college and the NFL. Of course, uh, Tiki, by the way, first of several plugs with Brandon Tierney, the Tiki and Tierney show weekday afternoons tv and radio cbs sports network television cbs sports radio love his insight on all this stuff so ohio state okay uh, there's questions about the competition but that offense looks outstanding they get ready to play penn state coming up give me a quick thought on what you saw out of the buckeyes because we saw a lot yeah so we said this a little bit on the broadcast but it's worth bringing back up the ohio state buckeyes just like all the top teams in college football they'll pick a couple of buy games uh, these guarantee games where they pay somebody to come in and get their butts beat uh ohio state did do that because they played akron and i think tulsa but they also played oregon and oregon ran through them uh 269 yards on the ground and you could look at that as damaging to their psyche and to their playoff hopes but i actually love this because it showed them what was wrong with them. And it was defensively, they were playing a lot of man high and putting guys in one-on-one -on -one situations and they got taken advantage of. So they reassigned Kerry Coombs, who was their defensive coordinator. And he had this emotional like press conference afterwards. And like, he's like, I'm not quitting. I'm not getting down on myself because if I do, then I'd be lying to every kid that I told that it was going to get better when he had a bad day or a bad night or whatever it may have been. And so uh, Matt Barnes has taken over. They're playing a lot more two safety high They're playing a lot different combination coverages and their defense has gotten better against some of the inferior opponents that you're talking about. But the reason that Ohio State is one of the most exciting teams in college football, TJ, is because they can light it up. And it's not because they have 70-yard big plays. They could. I mean, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba, they're fantastic. Travion Henderson, he's an unbelievable freshman running back. They don't do it with big plays. They, like, they, they dagger you for, like, 10, and then they get one for 25, and they get one for 15, and they get a, you know, a big 12-yard run or a 12-play drive. And next thing you know, they're in the end zone, and it's like that. I mean, they're almost like 100% in the red zone, which is, uh, which is, which right. is why they're scoring over 50-plus points the last five weeks in a row, including 66 against Maryland two weeks ago and 54, as you just mentioned, against the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, so they have been uh, going along. And again, the argument can be made. They're about to play Penn State. The competition really stepping up. Still got to play Michigan State. Still got to play Michigan before this is over. I have said this. I have no allegiance to the Buckeyes. Sorry to everybody else. They are the team to beat. They yeah. are the team to beat right. until somebody of substance knocks them off in the Big Ten. Yes? That's exactly right. And it probably is not going to be Penn State, given where James Franklin's state of mind is the past couple of days. I know you saw this earlier this week, TJ, but James Franklin was asked about the USC rumors. And he said, first of all, I'm worried about playing Ohio State. We got to take him on in the big house. It's the horseshoe. Uh, and then he goes on to say, you know, we got to keep focused on Illinois. You're playing Ohio State. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got, Illinois is where our focus is on. Uh, coach, you're playing Ohio State. His mind is clearly on yeah, right. his future profession 
professional location and not on the task it can. We saw them play CJ on the way to Indiana game. It was frustrating. So let's share nine. that. We're driving, <laughs> we're driving through central Indiana through like oh, the cornfields. We have the phone. We're watching one painful overtime after another, yes. one two-point play overtime after another. You and I are just looking at each other, going, can anybody score and end <laughs> this thing until it gets to nine overtimes? It was draining and they lost. Yeah. In state lost at home. And maybe there's a carryover. Yeah. By the way, that's not figurative because we were in uh, in the Midwest cornfields. We were literally driving through <laughs> cornfields. We were. <laughs> that our producer believe was we saying, still had service corn- to watch that. Yeah, exactly. The reason the corn's still on the stalk is because it has to dry and it has to <laughs> air dry. It's cheaper than pulling it down. And we're like, what? <laughs> but we're driving but, here. Yes, we're dri- I'll call him out. We're driving with our producer, Doug Westerman of Compass nope. Media. He's given us corn education <laughs> on taking it to market. We're trying to watch overtime number seven or eight or nine on the phone. Can we find Bloomington? This yeah. is the travails of traveling on the oh, road with man. Tiki Barber. In, in two, uh, there were three successful two point conversions in 14 attempts. Cause after obviously it was nine <laughs> overtimes, but after the second overtime, so the third through nine, they got to go for two. There and were four straight eight yes. straight where nobody scored from the two Nothing. yard line. Painful. Nothing. It was painful. painful, horrible coaching. I never tweet. I tweeted. This is one of the worst coaching expositions I've ever seen watching uh, this nine overtime game. And you wonder I if it carries love, over. You wonder yeah, if it well, carries over. For Penn I, State. Well, I think it will. And I think a lot of it will carry over physically and emotionally for Penn State um, because of the, the beating that that was. They got crushed on the ground. Uh, Illinois ran for over 300 yards in that game. They had one back that ran for 222, another ran for 130 something. Yep. So they got beat up uh, defensively. And Sean Clifford's a shell of himself after that injury against Iowa. He just he looks unconfident, not really sure where to go with the football. I think Ohio State comes out and just takes care of business here. Then they will have two weeks of uh, Big Ten West opponents, Nebraska and someone else. And then they get into the, the, the money, the money games, Michigan State, and then finish the season against Michigan. And if they pull through that and it's a gauntlet, right, because the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten East is tough. They pull through that Michigan, Michigan State and Penn State this weekend. I agree with you, TJ. They're the best team in college football, and I don't know how anybody beats them. We'll see if Alabama, Georgia, one of those has a say-so down the road. Uh, we're right now, Ohio State Alabama's not clicking tough. on all cylinders. Right. I mean, and we'll we see Alabama in a couple in a couple weeks against LSU. And I on the but, same wavelength. We will have the LSU game November 6th in a couple of weeks. I will have Oklahoma without you. You're otherwise occupied this week. I'll have Oklahoma, Texas Tech, where Texas Tech has fired the coach earlier in the oh. week. Oklahoma losing the whole first half to god-awful Kansas, had to rally to win. Sooners back at home. The thing is, they they have played a bunch of close games. The Texas game, a close game. A couple of other ones that were close games earlier in the year. I I just wonder, is Texas Tech with Sonny Cumbie going to come in there and and hang with them? Maybe not win, but hang with them Saturday. We'll find I mean, out. I don't see why not. I mean, you just you set it up before we got on the air, uh, TJ. That that Sonny <laughs> Cumbie thing sounds like a little okie doke going on. <laughs> so yeah, they brought him back as the offensive coordinator, former quarterback, former Mike Leach assistant. He comes back as the offensive coordinator, and lo and behold. We're getting rid 
of uh, of uh, Matt Wells, the coach, and it's as much because you want to try Sonny Cumbie out here for the last five or six games yep. of the season. It almost seems like an inside job to have yeah. brought him back in the first place, doesn't it? It really, it really does. And and look, I know that the Kansas State loss was bad. They were up big in that game and then ended up losing by a point, so they just didn't finish. And but it does feel like Texas Tech, who has been seeking re-seeking Mike Leach for the decade now yep. uh, finally found at least they think they found someone who can uh, bring that same philosophy that wide open let's have fun uh, and score a lot of points philosophy back to Texas Tech but the story really here is Alabama they're still undefeated they're ranked in the top uh, five in the in college football's AP Oklahoma poll. Oklahoma I mean yes. Oklahoma Oklahoma is yes yes not not Texas Tech Oklahoma's ranked in the top five of, of the AP poll we'll see where they are uh, when the college football playoff initial rankings come out on Tuesday next Tuesday but they need a good showing obviously we know they changed quarterbacks from Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams who looked like a kid who was maybe a little full of himself against Kansas. Kansas has no business being anywhere near this game. Uh, they should have blown them out. Uh, in fact, they didn't score a point in the first half. And uh, it was, a, it was a, it was a, it was a testament, I guess, to their wherewithal Lincoln Riley's wherewithal and the teams uh, to rebound and score 35 points in the second half and find a way to win it. He's a headsy player. We know that because of that fourth down play where he took the ball Unreal. away from Kennedy Brooks and ended up getting the first down. But um, I worry about Oklahoma's consistency on offense there's some there's too many miscues sometimes um you know maybe they get better as the year goes on but they worry me just a little bit and again they uh they're undefeated they have not been seven and oh since 2004 when a guy named adrian peterson was running the <laughs> ball right. it's That's been right. that long since they've been seven and oh shot at eight and oh saturday we'll see what happens on that i want to talk to tiki barber about the new york giants here for one more minute in just a second because i only have him for a couple more minutes your Virginia Cavaliers, the Wahoos, they're at BYU. They're an underdog. Do we do we glance the way of uh, of Tiki's alma mater, Tiki and Rondé's yeah. alma mater? Do we glance the way you of a three-point Virginia underdog at Provo? You have to look at this game, uh, TJ, because there's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, who is the UVA's quarterback, is the leading passer in college football. Think about that. A Virginia quarterback mm. is the leading passer in college football. He's already got th over 3,000 yards passing. And we're only 23 touchdowns in. passing. Exactly. Yep. He's, he's dynamic. He's a big lefty. Uh, he's also a really good athlete. He had 99 yards and two touchdowns on the ground last week as well. So he gets it done. They don't, I mean, they were leading rusher has like 250 yards outside of the quarterback. So uh, it's all wide open for Bronco Mendenhall. And we all remember that Bronco Mendenhall was the was the architect of those great BYU teams. He left BYU to come to Virginia. So this is a sneaky, under-the-radar, great game uh, for Virginia to go across the country and try to sneak into that top 25. They're 5-2 and two right now, a bad loss to North Carolina where they gave up 59 points or something like that. And then Wake Forest, where everybody said, ah, oh, it's Wake Forest. Wake Forest is balling, man. <laughs> Wake Forest scored 70 points last weekend. So uh, the two losses, are, are, are they'll hurt Virginia, but I think at the end of the day, it's an exciting time for UVA football because they're, they're competing with the big boys and putting up a lot of points. Love this. Tiki's got to go in a minute. New York Giants Monday night. Our handicapper just before you came on, Brian Edwards, jumped right on this game and loved <laughs> them as a double-digit dog yeah, ten. at Kansas City. So let me put it to you like this. We don't know if Saquon Barkley can play midweek. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. If they're going to hang in and have a shot here, what has to go right? 
from the G-men perspective, from a guy that ran for 10,000 yards for the New York Mm -hmm. Giants, what's got to go right? Daniel Jones has got to be like the the Daniel Jones we saw last weekend where he's the best athlete on the field, that one-handed grab that he had against Carolina, not make mistakes, no turnovers, no interceptions, and, 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 and just be the leader that I think people have expected him to be for the last couple of weeks. But you talk about this line, it's plus 10 right now for the New York Giants, which is great. But I'll look at it from the money line standpoint. The Giants could mess around and win this game. Uh, it's plus 360 on the money line. You won't Ooh. find it any better off. Right, I mean, right, Miami right. Dolphins are plus 600, but they have no chance of winning uh, this weekend. The New York Jets are plus 370-something, but they have zero chance of winning against, the, against right, the Cincinnati Bengals. The New York Giants at plus 360, right? They could win this game. They've lost games because – They've, they've, they haven't been able to finish, jumped off sides against the Washington football team, um, you know, made some mistakes. They've also gotten blown out. But the Kansas City Chiefs are vulnerable this year. There it is. Right? There 17 is. turnovers. I mean, and at some pe- point, people will say, well, it's just them making stupid mistakes. But, you know, seven games in, aren't, aren't, haven't you shown all your stripes? That is just who they are. Right? They're a turnover-prone team. And if the Giants can capitalize on that, I think, one, they keep it close. And, two, they might be able to win it. It's tough because – Arrowhead and and you know that 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 fan base is intense. and they're desperate. There they're is desperate no doubt right they're desperate because they have now lost four games. They don't know what to do, so they're yep. desperate. It'll be a loud crowd, but still, the Giants. I, I'm with you. I'm lean. I'm looking at that on whether they can hang yeah. in or not. Yeah. You guys may convince me on this before it's all the way to Monday <laughs> night. We will see. I do know this. You got to run uh, at the time that we are taping this. Tiki's getting ready to be part of the Good Morning Football Show on the NFL Network. That's coming later in the week. Tiki and Tierney is the afternoon show. CBS Sports Network uh, cable. You see it every uh, weekday afternoon, 3 Eastern time. You see he and Brandon Tierney. Hear them on CBS Sports Radio. Follow him at Tiki Barber. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. And let's do this again on national radio for Alabama LSU. I'm looking forward to being with you in a couple of weeks on what should be a very exciting night for Alabama. We believe it's going to be a night game. We'll see if it's a 3.30 game. Uh, Can Alabama keep asserting itself in the sec. I look forward to working with you on that. Always a treat to have you Always. however, and wherever I can grab you Tiki Barber. Thank Most you. Most certainly TJ looking forward to it in Alabama. Uh, they better win against LSU. Their coach is already fired. <laughs> yeah. With that order on already gone. Yeah. Tiki. Thank you. We'll see what Be the team men do on Monday night. Thank you, Tiki. See you dude. Still to come, we're going to hear from the one and only Tim Brando of Fox Sports. He's on the call of Oklahoma State and Kansas on Fox Sports 1 Cable Saturday night while the host is doing national radio of Oklahoma, Texas Tech on Saturday. Brando and I both in Oklahoma, the Sooner State, although he's working the Cowboys game in Stillwater. We will talk to him. We'll have no huddle underdogs coming up as well. Rapid fire with T.C. Martin and Bill Rowland back with me. They both had underdog winners again last week. Colby Dant of the College Football Experience on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. He'll make a no-huddle underdog pick as well. All of that still to come. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Well, WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And we're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You've got exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all the favorite teams, the players, the sports. We've got the NFL starting up soon. Uh, Major League Baseball is ongoing. You've got the golf. You've got the MMA. Uh, Pretty soon the NBA will be back. The NHL will be back. College football and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. 
We have what you need with WinBet. If you're ready to play, sign up today, get a special offer, get a risk-free $500 bet from us at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network by just downloading and using our promo code SGPN. Download the WinBet app, visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to find out more right now. If you're ready to play, if you're ready to win, they're the premier sports betting experience. Download, bet, and win with WinBet. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. And the football season is ready to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. Because with PropSwap, your bet doesn't have to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, Trey Lance of the 49ers opened up at 300-1 to to win the MVP this year, and he has already been bet down to 75 to 1 after that preseason performance just last weekend. That means if you bet 100 bucks on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap right now for $400, a 300% return before the season ever begins. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting. Buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 a month just by listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember, go for two. Make two tickets on the same team. You can sell one for a profit and leave one for yourself for skin in the game. Again, your bet doesn't necessarily have to win. It just has to improve. Think of it like the stock market. Get started today at PropSwap.com. Download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We're also brought to you in part by Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use the promo code SGP to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And we're brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks. Here's why it's going to be your favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast, it's easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide will they go over or under their stat projection for that day. The more players you pick, the more you can win. In fact, you can win up to 10 times your money. Prize Picks is the only way to play. And use the promo code SGP to get a 100% instant deposit match bonus up to $100. That's the Prize Pick app, our promo code SGP. And a reminder the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. As promised as we come back in, I always love the insight of this man on all occasions, whether it's college football, whether it is college basketball, whether it is hello Atlanta Braves in the World Series, and Tim Brando doing this interview via 
video connection in a Braves jersey. <laughs> and a lot of people may not realize you did the Braves for a couple of years. And now, yeah. uh, chop, chop, they are in the World Series. At the time we're taping, they've won game one. The audience will already know what's the result of game two on Wednesday as we release right. the podcast on Thursday. We don't know that result. But Timmy B rocking the Braves jersey during our conversation here before we ever get underway with college yeah. football. Yeah, and I go way back with the Braves as a child. I was a bat boy for the Shreveport Braves, my hometown. There we go. Double A, Texas League. Charlie Lau was the manager. Walt Reniak was the catcher. He went on to become one of the premier hitting coaches after Charlie Lau uh, had moved on and, and later passed away and helped George Brett, obviously, as a hitter, if you recall. And uh, on that team, Clarence Cito Gaston, World Series champion manager with the Blue Jays. Wayne Red Garrett, who was traded to the Amazing Mets in 69. After the 68 season, when he played in Shreveport, he was uh, a World Series champion with that unbelievable team in 1969. And uh, Ralph Alligator Gar, who played for the Braves in the 70s with Mike Lum and Daryl Evans and Hank Aaron. Right, right. Uh, Ralph was a big Grambling State guy from North Louisiana. George Stone was a left-handed pitcher from around the Ruston area. And Listen Cecil to Tim Upshaw. Brando breaking out the Shreveport Cecil, Braves from 50 yeah. years ago. I love this. Cecil, Cecil Upshaw from Bossier City. These are guys I watched growing up. And then, lo and behold, I leave ESPN in 94. I'm going to work the Atlanta Hawks, and I'm going to do some NBA for, for TNT. I uh, didn't have any idea that I'd get a chance to do the Braves. I get a call. Uh from a guy there, an executive there saying, hey, Ernie Johnson uh, Sr. is coming out of retirement. He thought he was going to work with his son, Ernie Jr., but TBS has him too busy. He's doing goodwill games. He's doing, you know, studio for the NBA, and we need somebody to work these games with Ernie Sr. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I love it. I'll be the surrogate son. No problem. So uh, I worked uh, the strike year in 94. World Series championship in 95. I see I the, ring. the ring. He's showing it to the audience on and, video. I see the and ring. 90, and then in 96, obviously, they lost to Joe Torrey, and I've still got the autograph ball from Joe. Look at that from the former, Yankees. Former, right? former Yankees, as well as Braves manager, as you know, in the 80s. So uh, it was a thrilling period, and I learned a lot. And um, I've remained a Braves guy, you know, all the way through because I sort of grew up on them. And baseball was the sport that I actually could play well, decent, you know, started three-year letterman in high school, American Legion, pitcher, first baseman, kind of a garbage lefty. But, you know, if you're a lefty, you're going to get some garbage moments. But I could play first base fairly well. And uh, the, uh, the the MO on me, my bio, okay, in high school would have read, uh, slow left-hander with occasional power, can go deep, will not get elected. Okay, that's what it would That's what it was. <laughs> Selling it so, short. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, I didn't do baseball after that. I did the college world series a number of years for ESPN, the little league world series. But after I did the Braves from 94 to six, I mean, like what, what else was there, right. you know, for me? So I didn't do baseball again after that. And, uh, and, and, and I felt like, okay, I really wasn't that into it anyway, because of the steroid thing, I kind of drifted away from the sport entirely. Right. But as I've gotten older and as I've become a granddad, I've kind of come back to the game a little bit and I'm rooting for the teams that I have a history with the Braves. By the way, the Astros, probably the other team that I saw the most of 
when the Astrodome was built. I rooted for the Astros all the way through the playoffs. And so it's nirvana for me. Whoever wins this thing, I'll be okay with it. Love that. And again, I keep saying this on different interviews and different podcasts, and you know this, so much of the South, now the country watched it on TBS in the 80s and the 90s, but so much of the South, this became ingrained with watching Dale Murphy and Phil Negro and all the guys in the 80s, Skip Carey, Pete Van Weeren, Ernie Sr., John Sterling calling it. They were bad most of the time, but we all watched. And so you kind of became ingrained to be a Braves fan. And if you were in Alabama or South Carolina or Louisiana, as you call it, Mississippi, Tennessee, Georgia, and even into Florida before expansion baseball came to Florida in the 90s, you were an Atlanta Braves fan. So it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you were West enough like us in Shreveport, which is Northwest Louisiana on the Texas border, you know, you didn't have, until the Astros came along, the Colt 45s and the Astros, that happened when I was about six years old, like 61, 62, 63, 64, and 64, the Dome was built. Uh, the Rangers didn't come, Bob Short didn't bring the Rangers from Washington until 1970. So, you know, the, the Dallas Metroplex didn't have baseball at a major league level. In fact, that was a double-A baseball park the old Turnpike Stadium where the Rangers began, you know, when uh, Whitey Herzog was managing and later Billy Martin. So Ted Williams, Ted Williams was actually the first manager of the Rangers. He came over from the Senators. So yeah, there was this large, I mean, most fans in the South were fans of the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals until there were teams in places like Atlanta pulling from Milwaukee and Houston, um, which came into being and the senators once they moved to, to Arlington. Love that. Love the baseball history. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get into a little college football and this, you and I are like intertwined inadvertently for a lot of reasons in the big 12. So as I've already said to the audience, I'm working the Oklahoma, Texas tech game. Lo and behold, my man, Timmy B on the money <laughs> all the time with Spencer Tillman worked Texas tech last week with Kansas state. The red Raiders had it going. And then they fell apart and then they fired the coach on Monday. Give me more, please. You know, until that week, Spencer and I had been doing some games with ranked teams, you know, games of consequence, but in late October, because of baseball, because of the, you know, uh, ALDS, the ALCS and, and later the world series, we have fewer games. And because of that, our schedule gets a little softer and, um, but even UCLA against Washington was a well-watched game. It was on Fox. It was in prime time. And UCLA sort of mattered. And, and they happened to win the game, setting up the Oregon game. This Texas Tech-K-State game was not – I mean, these are largely uh, obscure teams to most of college football most years because, you know, mini Manhattan is a small place. They've got to be really good for people to care. And Texas Tech – Similar situation in the state of Texas, probably the most overlooked team, all right, unless they're really, really good, and they're not. They're, both teams were like one team was three and three, the other team was five and two. Uh, Texas Tech probably had the better uh, storylines. They, they could become bowl eligible had they won. But I remember tweeting out, this is where we're headed, and someone said on Twitter, no one cares. And then I wrote back, <laughs> uh, then I wrote back, Someone always cares. Well, even though the rating was like 0.00, you know, eight, whatever the hell it was, 
somebody cared enough because the coach got fired after yep. he lost a 14-point lead uh, in the second half of the game. So that just tells you a little something about college football and how it always matters to somebody, whether you think it does or not. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, um, what we're talking about here is uh, is uh, the transformational circumstances that college football finds itself in. Uh, athletic directors are trying to uh, procure as much revenue as they can from their donors. And I think that if the donors are upset, they're not happy, they turn to social media and they start barking and, and they threaten not to come to games if change doesn't take place. Uh, you know, we all remember what happened with Shiano uh, in Tennessee when that just massive group, millions of people got on social media and denounced it. Athletic director wound up getting fired and lo and behold, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is hired. Okay. That's how all that went down. Right. Well, I think similar things are happening now in college athletics because fans, uh, especially the ones of influence financially, uh, they're barking loudly and athletic directors are hearing it and they need their revenue, especially coming off the COVID season. So I think that especially with realignment, you're seeing these programs now, Okay, we're about to make an address change. Uh, our future, we got to make the move for our future now. We can't really be thinking about the here and now. We've got to be thinking about next year and the year beyond that. I think that's why Clay Helton was out week two. They were afraid he might win enough games that they couldn't run him off. Well, I think the same thing happened here. And I, I have great respect for Kirby Olcott. I mean, I do. I think he's one of the best ADs. He's been an NCAA tournament champion. He was the spokesperson for the uh, playoff a few years ago. Uh, I think Kirby made a, a decision that, you know what, if they get bowl eligible and we happen to win seven or eight games, you know, I'm not going to be able to run this guy off. And a lot of people want him gone. No doubt. So better I do it make a PR hit. And I think that's what's going on, TJ. I, I really do. And we may see more of it before the end of the year. It's the voice of Tim Brando. He's at Tim Brando on social media. Again, he and Spencer Tillman are working Saturday night primetime uh, FS1 game, Oklahoma State hosting Kansas. Is the state of Oklahoma big enough for you and I to be there at the same time? I don't know what the case is, but I'm working Oklahoma, Texas Tech on national radio with Chad Brown, the former Colorado Buffalo, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. We are in Norman. All right, so quickly, one more on Texas Tech, and then I want to talk real quick about Oklahoma. Uh, All right. Sonny Cumbie is installed now as the coach, former quarterback there, former leech assistant there, offensive mind, offensive coordinator. Could he energize this situation? You just worked the game with that team. Right. How right. much can he energize it? Well, I, I do think that he becomes uh, a candidate if they play well and his uh, in real time audition, the second half of the season goes well. Now he he's got cards stacked against him because of this murderer's row that is ahead for them. You know, they, they have this game that I think they, they, they get an open week. Then they get, you know, Texas, uh, Baylor to close. I mean, it's a mm. bad, bad uh, set of games. I mean, they really needed that win against Kansas State, you'd think, uh, to feel secure that they'd be bowl eligible at the end of the year. They're going to be underdogs and not just this game that you've got, but in every game they've got left. But if they were to show well and maybe win a couple of these games, OK, I, I think he could become a candidate because what the Texas Tech people want is one of their own. Uh, I think they they feel like uh, with Kingsbury gone, 
which begs the question, why was Wells hired in the first place? You knew you were bringing him from Utah State. He wasn't one of their own. Uh, you just run Cliff because he hadn't won enough games, even though he had a, a fun offense to watch and everybody enjoyed it. He hadn't won enough games. Uh, I think that this is all about trying to get from a physical standpoint, Texas Tech in a good position for the new Big 12. The Big 12 with Cincinnati, with BYU, with UCF and Houston, all right? And to be competitive, to be on a level now with the big guns, Texas, no, you gone, we can compete. And for them to get Sonny Dykes away from SMU, who's looking really good in the American and has recruited unbelievably well in the Dallas metropolitan area. And of course, is the son of the legendary Spike Dykes, who had some really wonderful moments in the 70s and the 80s as a head coach. I think that's what this is about. I think that's the first call. I think that's who they really want. Uh, whether Sonny would be willing to do it. Look, I'm not convinced SMU wouldn't be uh, in the crosshairs to become a member of uh, the Big 12. I mean, think about it. The program is in pretty good shape. In fact, it's in great shape. He's recruiting four-star players uh, at SMU in the American Conference. So I don't know if they're ready to make that kind of move just yet because of the situation with TCU. You know, there might be right. a little bit of a rub, you know, between those two high-powered uh, universities with uh, religious implications. <laughs> right. Leave it there. But, but I do think it makes good football sense to consider SMU. Okay, for further expansion uh, in the Big 12. But if if Texas A&M could pull it off and get Sonny, I think that's that's the first option. But but uh, from Sonny Cumbie to Sonny Dykes, uh, I think Dykes is who you make the first call to. But if Cumbie shows well here, okay, in this dress rehearsal we, we're talking about, then I think he can become a real factor in the uh, in the coaching search. No doubt about it. Only a few minutes left here with Tim Brando. Again, to Oklahoma, and we've already touched on this, that Oklahoma shut out in the first half at Lawrence last week. Bizarre game. While you were doing your game, I'm watching right. back and forth both games. Yeah. That was tough to watch and tough to understand. Then they rallied and won. Okay, they won. But they played a lot of close games, Tim. They were they were losing the whole game to West Virginia, found a way to win at home. Yeah. Losing the whole game to Texas, found a way to win. Losing the first half of this game to Kansas. How concerned should we be, even at 7-0, about the Sooners real quick? You should be very concerned. Uh, I mean, how, how many times can you put yourself up against the wall and, and find your way out of it? Now, Caleb is an unbelievably talented freshman, and he – he was clearly the uh, – I mean, he made some unbelievable individual plays to help them win that game. I mean, if he doesn't know that his running back is not going to make the first down and, and then go to him, literally steal the ball from him because of his momentum and carry it to get a first down. I mean, think about that. Guys were watching the play, calling it not sure, is that legal? To be perfectly honest with you, the thought did cross my mind too when I watched it on tape. Uh it was just incredible what he did uh, to bring his team back. Defensively, they still have a lot of issues. And Texas Tech has really good skill people. This is a, a, a very difficult time. You may have a great game because whenever there is a coaching firing at midseason and a guy like Cumbie, one of their own, 
not that detached, not, not so far along in his life that people have forgotten about him being a player. And I know the players view him as like, you know, a player's coach. They may play their you-know-what's-off for him, okay? Mm-hmm. And between Columbia and Donovan Smith, uh, you've got some big play capability at the wide receiver positions too. And uh, they like to run it. They need to run it. Oklahoma looks like they can be run on. Kansas did. So why not Texas Tech? It's a dangerous game, I think. You may have a hell of a game. Uh, we will see. We I have will a, see. I have, a, I have a good hunch about Texas Tech being incredibly competitive in that game with OU. Let's see if that is the case. You will be working Oklahoma State uh, and Kansas. Kansas saw yep. that performance last week. And Oklahoma State hung in. They did not win at Iowa State, but they do have the win over Texas, which was a very impressive comeback at Austin. They're, That's yeah, the game you and Spencer had. They still win the league. Yeah, they, they are still in the hunt to win the league. Uh, the win over Texas really is beneficial to them, particularly since Bedlam is the game they host at the end of the year. That game is in Stillwater. So, you know, they control their own destiny within the league. And uh, who knows if there are enough other upsets across the board. Listen, this year, everything's flat. If you look at all those Big Ten teams that are out in front of some of the Big 12 teams, they're all playing each other, you know, right. starting this week. With Michigan, Michigan State, with Ohio State, Penn State, you know, Iowa's got to play the Heartland Trophy game. That's a tough out at Wisconsin. I mean, there's there's a lot that can happen to see teams that are say anywhere, but I don't I, I don't think a team ranked 15th or higher is out of this hunt. I think if you're number 15 in the country, they, you know, and look at this AP poll. If you're ranked 15 or higher, I think you're in the hunt absolutely in the hunt to make the playoff and especially if you have quality team or two this is what you're saying at the end that you can beat that hops you from 15 14 13 into the top seven into the top five you can have that opportunity and we'll see if that is the case listen i always love chatting with you and across the college landscape this man's working big 12 he's working big 10 he's working uh, Pac-12. Pac-12. If I just hit you, think about it for a second, with who's the best team you've seen so far this year of any of the games you've worked, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. Do you have a team that's really stood out to you in any of the games that you worked? I had the Iowa team earlier in the year. You've had them too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they stumbled against Purdue. Uh, yeah. You've worked UCLA, as you mentioned. You've worked some Big right. 12. Do you have one that stands out just real quick before you go? Well, I look, I had Ohio State when they were awful. Okay. Yep. They, they, they struggled against Tulsa. I mean, they really struggled in that game. And, and people are really singing their praises now. I've, I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, Iowa still, I mean, Ohio State is, is going to take care of Penn State. And they'll, it'll be roadkill against Michigan. And, and Michigan, I mean, I'm hearing all this, all right? Uh, but I would go back to, you know, the way things work in college football, you're hearing it even now, right? We got the big, uh, the standings coming out from the committee next week. And already you're hearing the pundits begin to say, yeah, you know, Cincinnati really struggled with Navy. And, you know, who, who are they really playing? And what can we, they're all the, the dirt being thrown on Cincinnati right now is just unbelievable. Okay. It really is. Now, no, I have not called one of their games, but I'm here to tell you, they are as complete a team as any yep. I've seen. No question about it. But the dirt being thrown on Cincinnati to keep them out has already begun. Okay, everybody that tracks college football that is controlling the narrative wants Cincinnati out and Ohio State, the love train 
for Ohio State from their very <laughs> is is unbelievable. Sure, unbelievable. of course. Who have they beaten since since I was there with the Tulsa game? And Tulsa, by the way, was within a score with about ten minutes left in the game. It's a crazy thing. So the score not indicative of how well the game was played by Tulsa. All right, forget that. Ohio State then plays Akron. All right, then goes on the road and bludgeons Rutgers. Right. Who have they really beaten That's right. to ascend to ascend to where they are? I'm here to tell you, people believe Ohio State's offense, and they've got incredible personnel. Travion in the backfield. Yep. The receivers. You know, Olave. I, mean, I saw it firsthand like you yeah. did. I saw yeah. it firsthand. They are the most talented team out there that's done the least to be where they are in the polls. Okay. Most talented team that's done the least to be where they are in the polls. And I, I, I really believe that sums it up. Cincinnati is the most complete team, yet we don't want them in. Ohio State has done the least. We are championing the hell out of getting them in. And look so no further. I got you. And you've been a champion football. of the little guys, and I'm right there with you in lockstep. I believe yeah. if Cincinnati runs the table, there's no way they're keeping them out. They'll be in the four. I, they may I, not I, be two under, or three. Under no circumstances should that happen. And as I said at the end of last year, Okay, we can't call this a college football playoff. It is an invitational, all right, because it's flat out an invitational. And if Cincinnati gets left out this year by running the table, and I don't give a damn what the scoring spreads are. Oh, you know, style points. Who has has a barometer set as high as Cincinnati to score style points every week? No one, all right? Right. It's it's wrong. Corruption reigns if Cincinnati – is not in this college football. I player. think this year, corruption though, they're up, they're up high enough right now, and the the spotlight is so bright on the corruption they can't keep them out up at number two up at the top as long as they keep winning. Yeah. Just don't slip, don't lose yeah. the game, don't slip, and I think they can be there uh, at the very well, end. And, and you, we'll know, see. by the way, and TJ, I'm just going to tell you, these guys in our business know who the hell they are. They do. They know who they are. Stop throwing dirt on Cincinnati. Just stop, desist. You look stupid, and you're Amen. really making people outside college football have a point when they say the whole sport is corrupt. Well, and and just one more on this point again. I have no allegiance to Ohio State uh, whatsoever, but this is the truth. A year ago, we changed all the rules to let them be in the playoff, <laughs> including yes. changing the rule to let them be Hello? in the Big Ten championship game. So anybody Hello? that's paying attention that doesn't think that that kind of yeah. manipulation is going to go on again. Absolutely. Right. Pay attention. Right. Learn from right. history. Absolutely. There's no Pay question attention. about that. No, I mean, you would have to be, you know, if somebody came from another planet and got <laughs> on ours and watched how we determined who gets, quote, who's in, they would think these people are absolutely insane. Yeah. There is no way that you could determine the top four or based on this process. Corrupt, insane and corrupt, maybe simultaneously yeah. with the yeah. fix being in. We keep talking about that on the show. The fix is never in with this guy in a Braves jersey with the World Series ring. I love the insight <laughs> of Tim Brando. You and Spencer Tillman have a great call on Oklahoma State and Kansas. I always love you joining me, Three Dog Thursday podcast or whatever platform. Do well. We're both headed to Oklahoma together. Oklahoma. Separate games, you and I. I love you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate you hanging with me. Let's meet at JR's Barbecue. See ya.
As promised, he is back kicking off the no huddle underdogs, and he's doing so from just outside Minute Maid Park, ready for game two of the World Series. The Astros and the Braves, he's decked out in Astro stuff for his guy, Dusty Baker, hoping that it goes better. Again, we've released the podcast on Thursday. You already know, did it go well or not for the Astros? Or is TC putting all that stuff he's wearing in the trash as he leaves uh, Houston? TC Martin back from the TC Martin Show in Las Vegas. My friend, it is always good to be with you. We bow to you for the World Series appearance, and we bow to you for another underdog win with the Saints last week. How are things? Hey, TC, great to be with you, my friend. And uh, I'm going to borrow a line from our good friend Teddy Atlas that says, yeah, I'm going to, I'm doing you a favor right about now, and I'm going to go do the Three Dog Thursday podcast before I go into the World Series. I'm making time for you, TJ Reeves. I like that. I like that you're making time for me. So, again, this man has picked a correct NFL underdog six of the first seven weeks, had the Saints on Monday night in Seattle, uh, or actually had the Seahawks in Seattle who escaped by the half-point hair of their chinny-chin-chin with the Saints only winning by a field goal. All right, waiting with bated breath for you to kick off the no-huddle underdogs prior to going into the World Series. What do you want and why? All right, as you know, I went against the uh, Saints last week, uh, my friend, and you say three and a half. The line closed here at six. Uh, never in doubt again. Seattle, another easy winner. But this time, TJ Reeves, I'm going with the Saints. I'm going against you, my friend. Going against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You'll be live in attendance wearing you putrid and orange and red and whatever. And I'm going to go with the black and gold, way too cold. Only the second home game in the Caesar Superdome for the Saints. I think they come up big. You're going to give me five, five and a half. We're going to take that home doggy again in a big division game. And a game that I believe Jameis Winston, not a big fan as you well know, of famous Jameis Mr. Crablegs. But, uh, you know, he's got something on his mind. He'd like to give a little payback to Bruce Arians here, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's a great spot. Uh, Alvin Kamara should be able to run the ball. I think Winston will do enough uh, to take care of the football. But the big play here is that Saints defense. They're going to have something for, for Tom Brady. I'm taking the Saints at home plus five and a half, baby. I knew I didn't like you, uh, but the, and never mind the fact that you're re- rooting for the Houston Astros. You're like the only person outside of Houston that wants Houston to win this thing. The other rest of America does not want them to do anything. Now you're going against my Bucks on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. By the way, uh, the Saints still 32nd in the NFL trying to throw the football. That game the other night was who was going to empty the 9-millimeter clip into their foot first between Geno Smith and him. Uh, and as it turns out, it was Geno Smith. So the end result is uh, the Saints defense better come to play in this game. The Saints defense better be stopping Tom Brady because if not, the way the Saints are playing with hand it off, throw it five yards down the field, that's not going to get it done against the Bucks. You seem to think that that will be the case. Again, this man at the World Series in Houston, five days a week he's on in Vegas. Plug away for your stuff, T.C. Martin. All right, brother. Yes, tcmartinshow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere, 2 to 4, Pacific, Monday through Friday. But again, check out the website. Check everything out. TCMartin21 on Twitter. I got a roll, brother. I'm going in Minute Maid Park. Get ready for game two. Have a good one. Love you, brother. Let's keep the streak live. So we follow up the Dr. TC Martin on the No Huddle Underdog Picks with another guy that is rolling. You keep winning, you come back. Bill Rowland of the Yards and Stripes podcast, Service Academy Football. He and Price Atkinson 
cover that like nobody else in terms of Army, Navy, and Air Force football. They are all over it. Bill, also, I have much love for, I say this every time, Sirius XM alumni brother from another mother. He is back aboard, fresh off the Indianapolis Colts. No matter the wind, no matter the rain, no matter being on the road, there was no doubt about that underdog that outright won in San Francisco. Congratulations. That is two straight. You are back for another No Huddle Underdog. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. And, and I do have to say I'm a little confused because I thought picking underdogs meant you were picking the team to win the game, not this cover yeah. stuff that yeah. all you other okay. guys are talking about. So, so let me help you. The podcast and show has only been in existence for seven seasons, and we explain time and again we're just looking for the cover. Bill's going next level. He's looking for the cover and the outright win. I applaud you. I am one man standing O for Bill Rowland right now that you thought that that's what it had to be. Let me lessen it a little bit. They simply need to cover. The bonus is if they win outright, which you've gotten each of the last two weeks, an Air Force doggy a couple of weeks ago, an outright winner, and now the Indianapolis Colts. So very good. Now that we understand the parameters, the ground rules, etc. It's like explaining all the ground rules at Tropicana Field for foul balls off of C <laughs> ring, D ring, lights, and whatever else might be in play. We have all the ground rules. With that out of the way, this can be college, this can be NFL. I'm not uh, shoehorning you into one or the other. Do you have an underdog that stands out and why, Bill Rowland? I do, and I'm going third week in a row. This isn't just the cover. This underdog is going to win on Sunday. It's an NFL dog. They're going to get their first victory of the season, DJ. <laughs> you better believe it. I am rolling with the Detroit Lions Man. to beat Philadelphia. All right, so you understand that two weeks ago, I thought the same thing. Time for them to win at home against Cincinnati. Disaster. They were horrific. Then Kevin Rogers, a senior handicapper, Vegas insider, came on this very podcast, went right back to the Lions in the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford Bowl, and I mocked him. I mocked him, Bill Rowland, for making that pick. And yet the Lions were winning much of the game, didn't win the game, and did cover. This is the third week in the in a row. Somebody's going Motor City Kitties. What leads you to the, the Lions pick here? Uh, are you just uh, out on the Philadelphia Eagles after my Bucks beat them on Thursday night and the Raiders clobbered them last weekend? Is it more being out on the Eagles? Or you really believe in Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, in this spot at home at Ford Field? Well, Campbell and company, they're four and three against the numbers. So you're if you bet on the Lions every week with the number, you're you're in the green right now. You're you're cashing chips on that. So it's not too bad. If you want to take the three, three and a half, whatever it's at, you've got a pretty good shot of pulling it off. What I think they're they're going to do, they're playing hard for him. That team is playing hard. And the one thing that they're really not good at is covering the pass. What's the one thing that Philly's really not good at? Throwing the football. Also, the Philadelphia linebackers aren't great. I think Swift has a huge game. I think they can use their tight ends across the middle. I just think this is one of those things. Look, they, lo- they had the Ravens beat and lost on the on the NFL record field goal, right? They, I think they had the Vikings beat too. There's another game they lost at the very end on the field goal. They should be two and five. If they're two and five and the Eagles are two and five, are we having this conversation about why are you taking the Lions? I don't know that we are. Good so point. I'm going to roll with Detroit. 
All right, let's see how they do in this matchup. We should make mention here on the No Huddle, only one service academy in action, and depending on when you're hearing the podcast, it is a Friday night game in the American Conference, Navy and Tulsa. Navy with the backdoor, beep, 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 back it in, backdoor cover with Cincinnati. I know you're not taking them, but anybody that's interested in that, are you kind of leaning that way for Navy with all those points on the road at given uh, – uh, given Tulsa at least a tussle uh, there in the American Conference? Yeah, if you look at it, I think it's three of the last four or four of the last five weeks they've actually covered the number. I'd have to go back and look. The only one right. they didn't was the one we warned everybody about, that Thursday night game in Memphis. You and I talked about it yep, yep. Uh, off the air that we just – a short week and we just think they could have prepared for that and they got their doors blown off and didn't cover. But they covered against the SMU. They covered against Cincinnati. You go back, they covered against Houston. They won Central Florida outright. So yeah, four of the last five, they've been with the numbers. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate if you really want some action Friday night. If you want to dip your toe, I'd probably take the 10 and a half and, uh, and enjoy it going into Saturday. Again, the triple option is always a problem for everybody they play in that conference. We'll see how Tulsa hands it, handles it or not. Living on Tulsa time or not. Bill Rowland, Plug away for everything. Your social media, Yards and Stripes, etc. Go. Yeah, Yards and Stripes on Twitter, at Bill Roland on Twitter. Those are the two best places you can find us. And again, download. Uh, if you're into Service Academy football, we cover them each and every week. Uh, recaps of the games, previews of the games coming up. And we're getting to that season after this week, both Air Force and Army on a bye. And then it's the big one, Air Force Army. If the Falcons win it, they win the Commander-in-Chief trophy. They take it home. So that's a big one coming up in about a week. And Air Force hung in. They were behind against San Diego State last weekend, but hung in, kept it close, still in the running in the Mountain West to maybe get in the championship game somehow, some way. We'll see what happens on that. Again, wherever you get podcasts, Yards and Stripes, uh, Price and Bill, all over it for Service Academy football. That is their specialty. Love that about them. And again... One more time. Last chance to back out. Detroit Lions is the pick on the underdogs here for the no huddle, right? The the Lions, and again, you can take the points if you want, but I'm rolling with them getting the the W outright. Money line on the no huddle underdogs. Cash it home. Yes. I love that. Follow him at Bill Roland with an H, R O H L A N D, on social media. My friend, thank you. Good luck to go three straight weeks with a successful underdog, if not outright winner. Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And one more no-huddle underdog to go. That comes from Colby Dant of the College Football Experience Podcast. You find that on the fleet of shows on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and through sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Colby and his co-host do a great job of breaking down everything college football and the college experience. So we went right to that game we've been talking about. I'll be working Oklahoma, Texas Tech, National Radio, Compass Media Networks. Chad Brown will be with me. Uh, the former Colorado Buffalo, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. We're looking forward to being in Norman on Saturday. So Colby, Dan, and I talked at length on the college experience specifically about Texas Tech and Oklahoma, a specific preview podcast on that feed. So let's join that feed where we begin debating is Oklahoma's defense good enough off that game with Kansas that they could have lost last week? What kind of team are we going to see? And, of course, Texas Tech, the coaching change that you heard Tim Brando talking about a little while ago. Well, let's join in that conversation as Colby first has questions about OU, their defense, and their narrow wins. 
this is a, a real area of concern. I mean, uh, if if Tulane's able to score 35 points on you, that that's concerning. If Kansas is able to to move the ball on you, and Kansas, I thought left points on the on out there too. They, they got down in the uh, Oklahoma red zone a couple times and didn't come away with much. So they remember they were Kansas essentially. Yeah, yes, yeah. when the game, when the game was on the line. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But but here we come in. Texas Tech's got an offense that is capable of moving the ball, no matter if it's Shuck or Columbi. Um, they they got a, a, a slew of capable running backs, whether it's uh, Thompson or Taj Brooks or Xavier White. I love this wide receiver they have in Eric. Uh, I have a, a hard time pronouncing uh, pronouncing this one, but uh, Azukanama, I believe. I could yes, be butchering correct. that, but he is a stud. I was high on him last year. Uh, and Kalen Geiger, I think this team really could pose a threat. The real thing is, will they show up? What's the lo- the pulse of the locker room? This line has jumped. Um, it, it opened up, I believe, at 16 and a half, 17. It's up to 19. That's wow. And that, and that means money coming in big time on Oklahoma back at home. That's dangerous. Again, I got to be careful because I'm calling the game to kind of be down the middle, but I see tons of points in this game. What's that under over now? 66 as well? and a half, 66 I and would, a half. I would be more interested. I would be scared at that big of a number uh, for Oklahoma, but the over just because of Oklahoma's defense, like you laid out, I think the over is very much in play. I'm looking at lots and lots of points unless it is turnovers for one of both of these teams. I don't see a whole lot of stops. It may come down to the fourth quarter and a key stop or two in a game that's like 41-34 or 45-37 or something like that and somebody gets the key stop. I see lots of points Saturday afternoon in Norman. I'm with you, man. And Oklahoma's had a hard time covering. They didn't cover against Tulane. They didn't cover against Nebraska. Didn't cover against West Virginia. Didn't cover against K-State. Didn't cover against Kansas. They had a little stretch there against Texas and TCU where they covered, but... Um, in the uh, Texas game, they had no business winning or covering. They're down 21 in the first half. They're down yeah. the whole second half. And how they Houdini that out of the Longhorns, which is like the second. That, that was a four-overtime game last year. I yeah, mean, they have tortured always Texas with how they've beaten them <laughs> the last couple of years. But they had no business winning that game either. Again, uh, they are the most questionable 7-0 and Power 5 conference team right now, maybe in recent memory where you could totally see at the end of this year, they could lose two or three times starting with this week. I I don't think it's inconceivable. They could lose a couple of times before the season's over with, even at seven and oh, they don't look like a juggernaut. And and what a great, like my point over here of the, you know, there was talk. I don't know where it's at right now of this 12 team playoff. I can tell you this, the people out there, fans that thought, Oh, they could. None of these teams could beat a top four team. I, I, this is a perfect case. If, if Oklahoma ends up in the college football playoff, you could have a a, a, a sixty four team tournament, and I think that the sixty four team might have a shot at beating Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, Kansas not good, and Kansas was beating them the whole first half last week. To your point, and again, Sooner fan is screaming at the pod right here at the College Football Experience. We won the game. Yeah. Yes, you won the game. But that's one of the worst teams in Power Five that was beating you at halftime, shocking everybody all over the country. Was that score was rolling around on the bottom of ESPN, or you're at a stadium for an early game and you're seeing, you're going, "What is is Oklahoma playing with nine guys? Is it nerve gas? Yeah. What is it?" Uh, it? So that that concerns me. Let's see what the Sooners look like. Maybe they get back home here and they get that Sooner magic they talk about, and they make some plays on Texas Tech. And again, the big unknown. Back to earlier in the conversation. 
How hard are they playing for Sonny Cumbie right off the bat here? And especially if there's adversity, how hard are they playing in the first half of the game? Let's see. hundred percent. And look, Texas tech the week prior to last week. So Saturday, October 16th, they happened to play at Kansas and they won 41, 14, didn't sweat the whole game. Right. So just to compare the resumes back to back, um, look, I know you can't call the game, but I will say this until Oklahoma shows me. Otherwise I would take the 19 points, especially when you talk about the, f- the familiarity between Sonny Cumbie, Lincoln, Riley, Alex Grinch, Mike Leach, all those guys. Um, I would say take the 19, but I, I do agree. Also the over, I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. So, uh, it, I, the only thing to be re, uh, remain to be seen essentially is, is if Texas tech's locker room is intact and we will find out on Saturday. So there you go. There's Colby's insight uh, into what he thinks he's going to take the points, the 19 points and Texas tech, as we head into the weekend with Sonny Cumbie there as the coach, what will happen in that matchup at Oklahoma? I look forward to calling the game this weekend and reporting back next week. Okay. I owe you one more underdog. I've already agreed with Brian Edwards all the way back at the beginning of the podcast that I will go with the Florida Gators and the 14 points in that Saturday afternoon game with Georgia. I know Georgia's number one, but I think Florida off the bye week will rebound. We'll keep it close. We'll have a chance late in this game. Uh, and, and Georgia is due after, after wiping out opponent after opponent, they're due to have a close game. I think this will be it. Uh, the Gators kind of circle the wagons a little bit here in that game in Jacksonville. Let's see what happens. I'll join that with another college pick. Give me SMU. I know Tim Brando was referencing uh, SMU's coach Sonny Dykes as maybe a Texas Tech candidate uh, coming up. SMU now 7-0 in the American Conference playing at Houston. Uh, they are getting a point and a half in this matchup. Uh, Dykes is four and one in his last five spots as an underdog. I'll take the ponies. They tried to play this game twice last year, uh, rescheduled it after the COVID-19 cancellation when uh, Houston had too many players COVID positive. They tried to reschedule it, and I believe the SMU players, they had too many players COVID positive. They couldn't play this game a year ago. So it's a couple of years in the making that SMU and Houston meet. And again, Houston is leaving eventually to go to the Big 12. As Tim was mentioning, SMU would love to go with them uh, into the Big 12. But for right now, they're left behind in the American. Give me Southern Methodist on the road Saturday night to win the game outright. I'll take the point and a half as my second college underdog. And as I mentioned, the NFL underdog, I was talking about this with Brian all the way back at the beginning of the podcast. Let's go Pittsburgh Steelers. Early game Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. I'll take them to win the game outright, not knowing as we launch the podcast on Thursday morning and it's out and revealed. I don't know what Baker Mayfield's status is or isn't. Is it Case Keenum at quarterback again? Nonetheless, Steelers off the bye week. Give me Pittsburgh to go in and win at Cleveland, and I'll take the points there for the third of the three underdogs. Good luck to Brian with his underdogs, Tiki Barber with me, Tim Brando with me, jam-packed, uh, show here, including the no huddle underdogs. TC Martin going against my Buccaneers. I'll be in the Superdome for that game. Oklahoma on Saturday with Texas Tech. I'll be in the Superdome for the Bucks looking to go to seven and one if they can beat their old quarterback Jameis Winston. One thing is for sure: if the Saints are going to win this game, it's not going to be with Jameis Winston throwing for 130 yards and handing the ball to Alvin Kamara. The Bucks' run defense is too good. 
of course, what am I going to say on the podcast? Of course, I believe the Bucks are going to win this game. TC's taking the points, and the Saints, what, five, five and a half points for that matchup on the No Huddle Underdogs. Uh, Bill Rowland uh, going with an NFL underdog with the Lions to get their first win. Can they get that first win playing the Philadelphia Eagles at home? Uh, and again, Colby Dant on the No Huddle Underdogs going Texas Tech. So there you go. All the underdog selections are in. Thanks again to all the guests for helping me out. Thank you for finding the podcast through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe, follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. It comes to you on Thursday. We stay relevant all through the weekend. We're picking underdogs all the time on college football and the NFL. Six correct ones last week. Four for four in the NFL last week. What will happen this weekend, the final weekend of October? Happy Halloween. Be safe, especially with the little ones. And we're back in November. October is done this weekend. Let's see if our underdogs lock. And we're back in November for Three Dog Thursday. Bye.